Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Good morning. When I was 12 years old, my family moved to Monroe. Now, I don't remember much about the house we had been living in or about our move, but one thing that I always remember when I think of my childhood is that Myra was there. Myra was our next door neighbor, and she and her husband quickly became some of our favorite people. When we first moved in, our relationship was like any you would imagine. We would wave at her from the backyard, occasionally walking over to her yard to talk. As we continued to settle in, my time spent in her yard grew. Slowly, instead of just going over when Myra was outside, I would walk over to her house, knock on the door, and then awkwardly wait on her porch until she came to let me in. But like some of the best friendships, this did not last long, and pretty soon I was simply walking over to Myra's, letting myself in, and hollering her name to see where in her house that I would find her. By the time I was in high school and Myra was in her late 70s, we had a key to her house, and my dad would stop and get her paper when he took our dog for a walk each morning. I don't just tell you all of this to give you a little insight into my childhood, which you're welcome for, by the way, but to help you understand the words of Paul that we are about to read. We are continuing in our text where we left off last week with Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Hear now the words of the Lord. So then, don't let sin rule your body so that you do what it wants. Don't offer parts of your body to sin to be used as weapons to do wrong. Instead, present yourselves to God as people who have been brought back to life from the dead and offer all the parts of your body to God to be used as weapons to do right. Sin will have no power over you because you aren't under law, but under grace. So what? Should we sin because we aren't under law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, that you are slaves as of the one whom you obey? That's true whether you serve as slaves of sin, which leads to death, or slaves of the kind of obedience that leads to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you gave wholehearted obedience to the teaching that was handed down to you, which provides a pattern. Now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness." I'm speaking with ordinary metaphors because of your limitations. Once you offered the parts of your body to be used as slaves to impurity and to lawless behavior that leads to still more lawless behavior. Now you should present the parts of your body as slaves to righteousness, which makes your lives holy. 
When you were slaves of sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What consequence did you get from doing things that you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves to God, you have the consequence of a holy life, and the outcome is eternal life. The wages that sin pays are death, but God's gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God, what a gift it is to be loved by you. Be with us as we strive to do your will understand your call, and live into the grace and love you have given to us. Amen. Glenn said it last week pretty well when he said that Romans was a heady book. Sometimes I read the words of Paul and get so bogged down in trying to understand what he is saying that I fail to see how I can apply it to my life. This morning's text is no different. Today's text begins where we left off, and the first half of this chapter is all about justification. Paul told us how sin plays out in our life and how grace then lifts us up. And this week, the lectionary gives us the second half of the chapter as we dive a little deeper into sanctification. Now, If you are anything like me, then perhaps when I say justification or sanctification, you might have a slight understanding of what they mean, but overall you aren't positive and also have no idea why they are important. Sometimes I feel like Paul even expects us to fail at grasping what he is talking about because in verse 9, at least in my Bible, we are told in parentheses, I am speaking with ordinary metaphors because of your limitations. If that isn't some some shade from Paul on how we might struggle with this concept, then I don't know what is. But for those of us who need this broken down a little further than dear old Paul can do for us, an easy way to think of it is to remember that justification is being saved from sin and sanctification is being saved for living. But if that's not helpful... My favorite way of differentiating between justification, sanctification, and prevenient grace, which just means that grace goes before us, is by using a concept of comparing grace to a house that Professor Theodore Runyon at Candler shares. When thinking about a house, prevenient grace serves as the porch, justification as the door, and sanctification or holiness as the rooms of the house. Prevenient grace is that fun grace that always goes before us. It's why that we as Methodists have an open communion table, because we believe that anyone can accept God's grace and meet God at any moment, 
No proof or long-term relationship needed to experience and receive God's grace. Justification is that moment we trust God, realigning our lives with God and accepting that grace that has been given to us. We are able to walk through the door when we realize that we cannot take the steps on our own. The first time I went over to Myra's house and stood on her porch and knocked, I knew that she loved our family and that being invited in meant that this friendship was mutual. She wanted to welcome us just as much as we wanted to be welcomed. But sanctification, sanctification is my favorite because sanctification is exploring all of the rooms of the house. It is that moment where our walk with God grows deeper and we learn more about who God is by loving our neighbors more fully. I loved being able to just walk into Myra's house and make myself at home. This was in large part due to the fact that Myra was the best pound cake baker that I have ever known. She was such a perfectionist that if her cakes did not look how she wanted them to, she would throw them out, just throw them out. The moment our family realized that this is what she would do, we gladly became the recipients of these ugly looking but wonderfully tasting cakes. Going into Myra's house didn't only mean we got her dud cakes, we also got leftover icing for the cakes that she made, the extra desserts that she set aside for us when making them for her own family, but also all of the love that she had to share. Going into Myra's house was the sweet spot. It is that moment where we knew that this friend was one who would be there to support us. Regardless of how bad of a day we were having, she would greet us with a smile and let us complain on her couch. And with God, that sweetness just continues. The further into the house we move, the more our relationship with God grows. It is a transformative experience that takes us closer to living a God-centered life and away from the self-centered tendencies we might have. And Paul invites us into this way of life by telling us to be slaves of righteousness. Now, it's important to note that Paul's understanding of slavery is much different than what we normally think of. Paul was not thinking about the 300 years of racism that brought about the horrors of modern slavery, but rather slavery in the ancient Roman Empire, while still horrible, was a vastly different thing. Slavery in Paul's time was the understanding that you are putting your life in the control of someone else. And for Paul, if you are not a slave to righteousness, you are a slave to sin. If God is not the focus of your life and what you have decided to dedicate it to, then you are giving yourself to something else. So what is it? that occupies your thoughts. 
Is it how much work you have to get done? Is it how much better you need to be than the person in the seat next to you at school or on your soccer team or in the office? If you are like me, perhaps you think too much of the ways in which you have failed that you are kept from seeing all the goodness that God has already given to you. Surrendering control of needing to be the best and instead surrendering to God just as imperfectly as we are will lead us to a life of righteousness. But what if we mess up? What if we do our best to let go of all of the things that take our attention away from living a life of righteousness and slip up? What if we miss the mark? Will it be too late for us? Will we have missed out on sanctification and the life of holiness that it brings? Absolutely not. The beauty of grace is that God's storage of it is not going to run out. If we mess up, grace abounds. The best thing is always that we are not alone. God has gone before us, is beside us, and will be with us each step of the way. The sanctified life won't happen overnight. It takes patience. It is a formative experience helping us to be all of who God created us to be. That justification piece that the first half of this chapter talks about is remembering that God freed us from thinking we need to be good enough or strong enough. It is a process. The sanctified life is not a burden or an obligation, but a gift of the gospel. And growing in it means we are able to grow in the love of God and of our neighbor. This is good news because we get to see more of who God is in other people. We are reminded that our neighbors have been created in the image of God just as we have. Friends, what a gift it is that we get to love more fully. To be welcomed and welcome so many friends into the love of God that we get to experience. There is no better gift than the grace that God has given to us and the joyfulness with which we can respond to it. May we always remember that we are loved and we are enough just as we are. And God has given us the grace to prove it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.